At DeWitt Company, we have fabrics for every reason and products for every season. When frost, freezing temperatures, and cold nights threaten your veggies and flowers, DeWitt's Insulate Fabric Blanket provides a safe environment for your tender plants during unpredictable cold snaps this spring. DeWitt Insulate is a medium-weight, permeable, UV-treated fabric designed to protect flowering annuals, bedding plants, and vegetables from cold and freezing temperatures. This fabric installs easily and is reusable. Insulate lets you get out there and plant earlier, giving you a jump start on our short growing season. Don't take a chance when frosty weather threatens. Protect your time, hard work, and money with DeWitt Insulate Fabric as a low-cost insulation against the elements. DeWitt Landscaping Products and Plant Fabrics are the number one choice of professionals in the lawn and garden industry. DeWitt's high-performance quality products save time and are environmentally safe for the responsible homeowner. One company, one call. Over 600 products. Go to www.dewittcompany.com for more information. You'll find DeWitt Insulate at your favorite independent garden centers, including Lafayette Forest and Greenhouse, Nick's Garden Center, Tagawa Gardens, and Jared's Nursery. The friendly folks at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden are excited that spring is really here. The first shipments of veggies and flowers have arrived and more spring product arrives almost daily. This is a great time to add compost to your beds when getting them ready for the growing season. It is also time to overseed your lawn if it was sparse last year. Grass likes cooler weather and Mother Nature often helps with the watering in April. If you had weed issues last year, now is the perfect time to put down a pre-emergent weed killer to minimize new weeds. The knowledgeable staff will be happy to answer your questions about spring lawn care. There will be a socially distanced class on lawn care Saturday, April 10th at 11 a.m. and again Sunday, April 11th at 1 p.m. And yes, there will be a discussion about those nasty Japanese beetles, which are here to stay. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden is located at 10500 West Bowles Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Spring hours are 9 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 5 on weekends. They hope to see you soon. Do you have broadleaf weeds popping up in your yard? For most weed killers, it's too cold or damp to have any effect. Fertilome has a solution for that. Weed-free zone. Weed-free zone is one of the few weed killers you can use this early in the year. Use it for dandelions, henbit, chickweed, clover, bindweed, and more. It's rain fast in just a couple of hours after application, and you can reseed in two weeks. Fertilome can give your lawn a weed-free zone that will make you the envy of the neighborhood. Use the product the professionals use. Try Fertilome Weed-Free Zone. You'll find Fertilome Weed-Free Zone at Jared's Nursery in Littleton, the Tree Farm in Longmont, Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, and Tagawa Gardens in Centennial. Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. 
And we're back for the second hour of the GardenWise Show. My name is Keith Funk, and I will be here until 9 o'clock today answering your garden questions. I like we do every Saturday from 7 to 9 a.m. on this wonderful station, 810 The Legend. Did you know that you can also listen to this show at the same time on their FM station, 95.3? That's kind of cool. And did you know that the show is rebroadcast in case you miss it on a Saturday morning and you just can't get through the weekend without listening to the Garden Wise guys. It is rebroadcast on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on both stations, both the, 8 and the 810 a.m. and the FM 95.3. So you have all kinds of ways to listen to the Garden Wise guys. You can even listen to a streaming broadcast of it on your computer or mobile device. And here in the next week or so, we should be having all of our podcasts. We should be able to get them all back on the air, or not on the air, but on a hosting device thing, whatever it is, cloud, thunderbolt, lightning, that sort of thing. We'll have that all figured out. It's way above my head. I don't understand it at all, but we'll get it done. Let's see here. The telephone number here for you to call and ask your gardening questions is 303-477-2473. If I say it often enough, it becomes a fact. Let's see now. A couple things I wanted to mention. I've been taken lately, the last few years, with hydrangeas. And you're thinking, but this is Colorado. You can't grow hydrangeas in Colorado. We have alkaline soil, and they'll be the wrong color. Um, I don't grow those kinds of hydrangeas. I grow the um, PG hydrangeas or paniculata types, hydrangea paniculata. Those are the sun-loving hydrangeas. They're extremely hardy here, much hardier than that, that blue Mother's Day Hydrangea that likes an acid soil to stay blue, and we don't have acid soils for the most part. So I grow the PG types, the the uh, paniculata types, and there are lots of varieties. The last few years, they've just been pumping out the varieties, and one is just better than the next. It's hard. I'm I'm thinking about digging out some of the old varieties and planting the new ones because they're so cool. And the one that's really got my attention right now is one called Little Lime punch it only grows three to five feet tall so it's a perfect size for most backyard gardens perennial beds shrub beds Uh, you could even grow this in a container and it works just beautifully and the the reason i like it is the new flowers and it blooms on new wood so if we have a really severe winter and typically we don't have that that severe a winter here because it's a zone three plant and we're in zone five so it'd have to be really bad for a long time to to knock this guy down to the ground but even if that were to happen these plants grow and bloom on new wood so it would still bloom that very next season Uh, this little guy the new flowers come out they're kind of conical shaped pointed at the top and get wider at the bottom and you know, these clusters and they start out kind of a lime lime greeny white and then they turn to pure white and then as the flower cluster ages on the shrub the lower flowers on the cluster start to turn pink and that travels up this flower cluster so that eventually the whole thing turns a light pink and then a dark pink it just gives you all these different seasons of interest 
throughout the summer months. So you know, I heavily encourage, or really heartily encourage you to look at paniculata type hydrangeas for sunny areas in your yard. And by sunny, I mean they can take full sun as long as they have well-prepared soil. They like a lot of organic matter in the soil. And they are water hogs. So don't plant it out on the back 40 where they're going to dry out in the wind. Plant it someplace where you're growing your perennials or near the house, whatever, where you can enjoy it and where you can easily add some extra water to it during the summer months if it needs it. But there's lots of varieties. It is so much fun to look at these things. Uh, quick fab or quick fire fab. That's another new one. It's a tall grower. It grows six to eight feet tall. Same sort of flower situation and color. There's limelight and there's firelight and there's little lime and there's quick fire and, and one called pinky winky and another one called berry white. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Take a look at the garden center. Look it up online. Uh, and get some images. Find something that you really like and look around for it. I'm, I can guarantee you that the garden centers aren't going to have every variety that's out there. So if you really sold on one particular variety that you can't find locally, you may have to mail order it. But they are so much fun. You ought to give them a shot. All right. Let's get back out to the lines. Let's go talk to Sue out in Parker about her trees. Okay, Sean? Good morning, Sue. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I'm so glad to hear you guys are on a station. I was like, oh, no. I know, right? Be gone. (laughs) (laughs) We are so happy to be here. Yeah, I was was real happy to hear that. So we had a decent-sized pine tree in our front yard Mm -hmm. that literally almost fell over. Oh, no. If the wind was blowing, our next-door neighbor came over and said, yeah, I was sitting in the driveway, and I thought it was going to blow over on my car. Mm. Um, so we had to have it taken out, and the whole root, well, the roots were just rotten. Oh, dear. And we, had a, we have another tree in our front yard, a locust, that the guy shook it, and he said, this is not planted deep enough. So it's like it's three years old. It hasn't really grown hardly mm-hmm. at all. I mean, it, it, it's, leaf, it's a replacement. We got one, and it didn't make it, so we got another one in mm-hmm. our nursery. Um, and it leafed out, and it, it looks, I mean, it looked fine last summer, but it really has not grown. So I guess my question is, can it be pulled out and planted deeper? I, I would really hesitate on that. Um, yeah. does, the, does the trunk go straight into the ground, or do you, see, do you see the root flare above ground? Do you see roots coming out the sides that are above ground? No, no. It's full, no it, there's no roots above ground. No, then it's not planted too shallow. If it was okay. planted too shallow, those first set of roots right near the, uh, that should be right near the ground surface would be uh-huh. showing. Okay. And, and, and okay. planting a tree too deeply is much more damaging than planting a tree too shallow. Okay, okay. In fact, most of the literature for Colorado now, even coming out of CSU, says to plant your trees above, you know, slightly higher than the surrounding grade. Okay, okay. So uh, uh, one thing, was this this replacement put in last year? Uh, No, 2019. 2019. 2019. Okay. So this will be its. So this will be its second, third year. Third year, okay. Yeah. Well, it 
Usually what I tell people on trees and shrubs and even perennials is the first year they sleep, they don't do much. They have leaves. They don't do much. The second okay. year, they, they creep. They do a little bit. You might okay. get a few inches of growth. The third okay. year is when they leap. And okay. that's when you start to see more normal growth out of plants. Okay. All right. So hopefully this is the year for you. If it's not, if it's still weak and puny and not putting on, I mean, this year it should put on a good, you know, 10 or 12 inches of growth for you. Okay. So keep an eye on that. If that doesn't happen, then there is something wrong. It's possible it was planted too deeply rather than too shallow. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So one other question. Uh, We have three crab apples in our backyard. Um, again, from the same nursery that have been replaced once already. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just sat there last year. And I know so many trees did mm-hmm. from that storm we had. Um, and I remember you guys saying, just leave them alone. And um, so we did. We just left them alone. But they still aren't showing much sign of life. Okay. Did, they aren't did, brittle or anything. Did they have leaves on them last year? No. No leaves at all? Nope. Well, that's not good. They, trees can't go through a season without leaves. Okay. Uh, so they need to come out. All right. <sighs> so uh, you, you can use your fingernail and scratch the bark and see if it's green uh-huh. underneath. Okay. Uh, but if it's, if it's brown underneath or the twigs are brittle, um, that's not a good sign. But there's, there's really no rush. Yeah, they don't seem to be brittle. Okay. Anyway. Well, there's really no rush. I mean, I w- you know, wait until toward, toward the end of May. If they haven't started showing signs of life by the end of May, they're not going to. Yeah, w- yeah, I wouldn't do it like today or anything. Yeah. Hope, we were still hoping that maybe <laughs> they'd snap out of it. But, okay. Yeah, I just, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound good to me that they were leafless all of last year. That's, that's not yeah. a good sign. No, they just sat there. So, I hate losing trees. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, you know, it is a difficult place to grow trees. Yes. You know, 150 years ago, you could look around and see almost no trees anywhere. Right. So, uh, everything you see growing as far as trees right now has been planted or seeded itself. And it has to be watered. It has to be taken care of. There's just, you know, putting a tree in the ground is, is a commitment, kind of almost like having children. Oh, You've got to take care of them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks a lot. You Appreciate bet. It. Thanks for your call, Sue. Okay. Bye bye. All righty. Hey, thank you for calling in. I've got some people on the line right now, but there's room for you if you come up with some questions that you'd like to ask me. I'll be here till 9 o'clock, and the telephone number is 303-477-2473. 477-2473. And you know who did that? Jude dialed those numbers into her phone. Good morning, Jude. Good morning. Hey there. Hi, I'm listening to you on the FM side, 95.3, and you sound perfect. Great. And I'm so happy I found you again. I thought it was over. Well, we were, we were concerned. <laughs> we were concerned, well, I, that's for sure. I kept making a note to call to Gallus, and then I'd never call, and then went got one of those obscure emails from Facebook, mm-hmm. and there you were. So, Excellent. So anyway, I have a, tell me about um, the shallots. You said that you planted shallots right now. Mm-hmm. Well, do you be able to harvest those in the fall? I hope to be able to harvest them by late summer, yes. 
Oh, okay, because I thought you had to plant those in the fall. No, that would be garlic. Okay, all right. So, and tell me about over... How do you do that? Do you do that with a drop spreader? You can do it with a drop spreader, or, or it's a little bit harder with a broadcast spreader because it throws the seeds so far and wide that it'll get into your other beds. Uh, so a drop spreader is easiest. Okay, and just put any kind of seed in there and just go over the whole lawn? I wouldn't go with any kind of seed. I, you know, do you, is your yard in full sun? Does it have moving shade, or is it a very shady yard? That would help to determine what kind of grass seed to use. All of the above. All of the above. So I would look for a grass seed mix that's good for moving shade. Moving shade. Yeah. And, you know, you want to aerate first um, before you put the seed down. And usually for overseeding, you want to put that down at about two pounds per thousand square feet. Okay. And then keep it wet because grass seed has to be kept constantly moist for a good, oh, if it's bluegrass in there, for a good 21 to 25 days before it germinates. And just keep watering. Yeah, you may have to water more than once a day on, on warm, windy days, but you don't have to water very long. You know, just okay. five minutes just to keep that top inch or so moist. What happens if the mowers show up? Well, once, once, it's, uh, once the grass seed is put down and watered in a few times, it should have settled and enough of the thatch and that sort of thing in the in the lawn we'll keep it down okay you won't have to worry about them sucking up the seed that's what i'm assuming you're wondering about yeah because you know it's getting pretty the grass is growing pretty mm-hmm. long and yeah you never know when they're going to show up they just you just hear the motor running <laughs> yeah well wait until they show up let them do their thing and then immediately after that put your seed down okay all right now i have another question or two is that all right yeah go ahead um, I started some seeds doing that stratification thing, you know, where you have to put them in the refrigerator or something. Mm-hmm. I, put it, I, start, I put them in the garage because when I did that, it was so cold enough. Of course, then the next day we got, you know, like 75 degrees. Sure. So I moved them to the refrigerator, and then I kind of spaced them out. Do you think they're still going to be okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. It just When you stratify seed, which is giving them a cold treatment, normally Jim would jump in here at this point and say when you stratify seed, it's got to be moist and cool. Um, but I've done it with just the cool. And, you know, you can, you can keep the seed in, in cool situation for, you know, years, and it'll still be fine. Okay, good. So when it, I take them, just put them under my light, and they hopefully will be okay? Exactly. All right. And then one last question. I did start a bunch of seeds in little small cells and small pots, and they're, they're growing. And so now I want to transplant them, but I don't want to overdo like put them in too big of a pot plus i put more than one seed and you know in each one so that i definitely get something to germinate Mm -hmm. can i can i just take those out and just put a bigger pot well it depends on what they are what what are we talking about um many things basil um petunias zinnias um i can't remember everything yeah well you know most most of those sounds like you could have a couple of plants in a pot. I wouldn't do more than two. Okay. Um, and so basil, basil likes to get... Basil doesn't play well b- with others. So it might be a good idea to just remove one of them. So you only have one plant in the pot. And rather than trying to separate them apart and replant the two plants, mm-hmm. cut one of them off. Okay. So you don't disturb the roots of the good plant that you're keeping. 
and then you're right you don't want to overpot them too quickly so i always watch and see if the roots are coming out the bottom of the container and if they start doing that, then I'll take a plant or two and gently tip them out of the pot and look at the root ball. Uh, if, if, it's, if the roots still look a little sparse, it's not time to plant them up. Um, but if you're seeing more roots than soil, then it's okay. a good time to get them to move them up to the next size container. Okay. Yeah, I, I have this uh, process where I use a, a butter knife or a table knife and just kind of scoop it out a little bit, and then it goes right back in if it's not ready. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll try that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your call this morning. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're back. Take care. All right, take care. All righty. So we are at a point in the show where I have to take a break, which means you're going to be on your own for a little bit. Uh, Keep in mind that you're listening to The Garden Wise Show. My name is Keith Funk. I'm one of the Garden Wise guys, and you can call me. And ask me your gardening questions. This is a rare event. It only happens on Saturday mornings. So the telephone number here is 303-477-2473, right here on 810 The Legend. It's like the difference between soft, gentle rain and a monsoon. That's how I compare the effect of a Dram Rain wand on plants to the heart blast of a typical spray nozzle attachment to your garden hose. Water flows through 400 tiny holes in the Dram Rain Wand's soft shower nozzle to bathe and refresh your plants, not damage them or wash away soil. Its handy reach handle has a 60-degree bend and conveniently extends to more distant garden rows and hanging baskets. And there's a fingertip shutoff valve. No wonder professional growers in the greenhouses and nurseries use Dram watering tools. Today, there are imitators, but nothing matches the superior quality of the original, invented over 50 years ago. They're simply the best. Dram watering tools are available at Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Gardens, Jared's Garden Center, and Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse. Can I plant now? Almost as annoying as, are we there yet? At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we have plenty of things to plant now. Don't fret, we have the cure for your planting fever. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned professional, let us help you select what plants work best for you. It's a great time to plant pansies, violas, snapdragons, and dianthus to color up your patio pots. Add some decorative kale, and you've got an early display that loves our cool spring temperatures. Want something perennial? Try columbine, our state flower. Other perennials like Basket of Gold Alyssum and Coral Bells can start in your pots. Then, as it's done blooming, move them into the garden for next year's color. Stop by for cool weather vegetable starts, windowsill herbs, and frost covers in case of a late snowstorm. Browse through our indoor plant greenhouse for lots of foliage and blooming plants in all sizes and a great selection of pots. It's all about the adventure of finding plants. Brighten up your living environment with something green. Your premier flower and plant shop, Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center in the heart of Lafayette at 600 South Public Road. For more information, call us at 303-665-5555 or visit us online at lafayetteflorist.com. All right, we are back to the GardenWise show. My name is Keith Funk. I'll be here till 9 o'clock today. So we're on the downhill slide on this weekend's show, but we're going to be back every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 o'clock. And Jim will be back with me again next weekend uh, when he feels better. 
He's old. So, let's see. I, I talked about um, hydrangeas a little bit ago, and I mentioned hydrangea paniculata varieties, which are the sun-loving hydrangeas that are not soil pH dependent, and they like our climate. They're zone 3 hardy, which makes them really, really hardy, because we are zone 5, which is two zones warmer. So, those are the great types to plant here if you've got a place where you can put them where they're going to get six hours of direct sun. I don't care what time of day, but a good six hours of direct sun is going to be plenty to get them to flower. Now, there are other species of hydrangeas that grow here. You know, you're all familiar, I'm sure, with the old-fashioned Mother's Day blue hydrangea you can buy at the florist shop. That's hydrangea macrophylla. And I don't recommend those for this area. I just don't find them to be hardy enough. Uh, and plus, the biggest problem with the majority of those is that they bloom, that they set their flower buds in the fall to bloom the following spring. And if we have a, a normal winter here, uh, a lot of times those flower buds are killed through the winter months. And so you get a plant that grows lots of foliage and no flowers. So it seems like a waste of time to me. But the foliage is pretty. You know, it's a pretty shrub, but... I want the flowers if I'm going to plant a flowering plant. So for, uh, for a substitute for Hydrangea macrophylla, which likes the shade, I would recommend Hydrangea arborescens varieties. And you're probably more familiar with Hydrangea arborescens varieties like Annabelle. Great, great Hydrangea for shade here in Colorado. Again, a zone three hardiness. So extremely hardy. You could grow these up in evergreen if you wanted to, or higher. Um, so Annabelle Arborescence Annabelle, Hydrangea Arborescence Annabelle is a great one for shade. And there are new varieties of those on the market. It's unbelievable what they're doing with these hydrangeas. They don't just come in white anymore. They come in shades of pink. Like what you said, what, 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 what are the varieties? Well, there's one called Invincible Garnita. And there's another one called Invincible Mini Mauve. And there's another one called Incredible Blush. Uh, there's one called Invincible Ruby. These are all available to look at online. You can just, in, just uh, type in Hydrangea Arborescence Varieties and click on images on your Google search. And you'll come up with all kinds of different things. And again, not all of them are going to be available in the trade here in Colorado. I mean, the garden centers do have to you know, choose what's going to work best for them. They can't carry everything. They just don't have that much space. So if you're really sold on a particular variety and you can't find it, locally call they'll tell you uh, then you may have to order it online uh, make sure you use a reliable reputable nursery online sometimes especially when you're buying stuff on ebay or what have you you may not get what you think you're getting so let's see let's get back out to the phones we've got people waiting to talk to us on line one yeah let's go out and talk to joe on line one good morning joe oh hey hey joe I didn't know I was up already. You are. Nice. So the the delay on your news station is extreme. Is it? Am I am I breaking up? No, not at all. I'm okay. okay. Do you do you want to break up? I didn't even know we were going out. Break, breaking up is hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> so flying solo today. That's I hard. I am living the dream, man. 
kind of like playing catch by yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. You do what you got to do. The show must go on. What can I do for you today? So I got uh, I got a bunch of trees that I've talked to you guys about in the past um, that I grew from you know one one year sprouts mm-hmm. and uh, they've been growing for so ten years or more now. Uh, delayed transplanting them, so I'm having a tree moving company come out and. I'm wondering about they're going to they're going to use a small tree spade and and move them to various other parts on my property. I'm wondering about the root stimulating hormones that you can get would would those be of any advantage and how would I apply those? Well, the the um the research on those root stimulator products is is variable. Some some places say, yeah, they do great. Other places say, you know, what what gives you the most benefit is the extra attention you're p- uh, paying the plant by putting on the root stimulator type products because you're you're spending a little bit more time with your newly transplanted plants, and that always goes a long way. Um, it, they can't hurt. Let's put it that way. And okay. the best the best way to apply them is is uh, in in water. Uh, mm-hmm. m- most of them are all liquids, and uh, and then there's there's uh, mycorrhiza that people are using, but I th- you know with, since you're transplanting with a tree spade, uh, your your plants have already got the, the native mycorrhiza attached to the root system, so that'll travel along with the root ball, and you don't need to worry about that. Okay. Okay. I uh, attended years ago. I t- attended a talk that Jerry Morris did at the Botanic Garden. No, oh, he's awesome. And, uh, He's just just an, a wizard as far as transplanting trees, mm-hmm. and his big theory was oxygen to the roots. Yeah, uh, was the best stimulator for root growth. So, would it be uh, obviously when the when the tree spade goes in and, and digs that hole that it's putting the tree into, there there's not going to be an opportunity to put any sort of amendment around the the ball that's going in correct would it be good enough just to get in there with a with a rake and kind of scar up the the shovel polish on the on the soil to open that up a little bit or absolutely what would you recommend no i i think okay. you're you're right on target there is is you're roughing up that surface that's going to come in contact that interface between the the original root ball and your new soil okay yeah okay and then as far as watering afterwards what do you what do you think on that well i you know i water give them a good soak when you plant them obviously and and then it's just going to be a matter of checking the original root ball and the most important tool you have is on the end of your arm um sure using your finger and or a trowel or something going and just checking the soil moisture on a you know i'd probably check it maybe on a weekly basis right now maybe more okay. frequently during the summer when it gets hot um but just just check down, and if it starts to feel more dry than moist, then give the plant a really good long soak and leave it alone until it has a chance to dry out a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. You don't want it sitting in a puddle. No. 
And you, you know, it sounds to me like you're going to take a fairly good size root ball with it, and that'll hold. Well, a they're they're planted cheek to jowl. They're only about three feet apart, so the the ah. spade that we're using on it is um, big big enough to get in there. But we're going to have to kind of you know pay Peter to mm-hmm. cheat Paul to on the root balls. Yeah, so it sounds like you might be losing at least 50% of the root ball, the root system. At least. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to suffer for the next couple of years and, and put on very little growth. But uh, as long as you can make, maintain some foliage on them. Are these mostly pines? Uh, I've got uh, about half a dozen Austrian pines and then eight Black Hills spruce. Okay. The, and I know those are going to be the crybabies as far as water <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and and even the austrian pines i mean they're not a they're not a dry land pine no they're 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 a high water pine that's why they do so well in our landscapes is they can adapt to all that water we're throwing on the lawns um, gotcha. so gotcha. yeah keep keep a really close eye on them uh, especially once okay. this, you know once you start to see new growth push and we get into warmer temperatures they're going to start drying out faster and you just need to keep on top of it so uh, uh, while we're on the subject i need you to look into your crystal ball my my apricot trees have bloomed and all the blossoms got frosted mm-hmm. does that mean that we are past our our last uh, freeze no turn on my sprinkler system well, I don't think we're past our last freeze, but I'm turning my sprinkler system on, and I'm just going to put a um, some some blankets or something on my uh, on my backflow because it, it's not going to freeze deep enough to damage the the water lines or the or the valve box. Okay, that makes sense. Usually, when the apricot blossoms freeze, I figure, okay, it's time to plant. Well, sometimes they bloom in February. <laughs> Well, yeah, the April Fool's Day was their bloom day this year. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit early. And uh, one one quick question, dividing amaryllis. Mm. Uh, I've got an amaryllis in a pot. It's got like three or four pups off to the side. It's maybe a five-year-old plant. Um, it's better to put it in a bigger pot and leave the bulbs there. Or yes. Or split them up and, and I, repot them. I like to see them kept together until the pups are almost as big as the parents, and then you can be sure that they have their own root system. But while they're small, that attachment is pretty uh, important for them to bulk up. Yeah, I, I always go back to what you and, and Jim say about uh, Mother Nature doesn't do that. So right. Why should you? Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Well, have a great rest of your weekend, and, uh, and send, uh, sending my prayers to Jim. Hope he feels better. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. He's, he's a tough old bird. All right. I appreciate the call, Joe. Talk to you later. You too. Okay. Let's go out and talk to uh, Don in Centennial about overseeding. Good morning, Don. Good morning. Hey there. Yeah. Anyway, we had our lawn started a few years ago, and it's it's pretty rough. They rotifilled it, and it didn't break up all the clots very well. And so I'm going to have to go in and fill in with some dirt, kind of over overseed with dirt first, and then I want to put in a, a grass seed that I don't know. It probably doesn't make any difference. I got the bluegrass, so mm-hmm. I got better water it. So. 
Is there any seed that takes less water or would be a good overseeding? Well, all, all the seed, all the grass seed is going to need to be kept evenly moist throughout the germination time. Yeah. Uh, so you, you don't want to let it dry out. You're going to have to water more frequently than you would with an established lawn. Right. And, uh, you know, if you had sod put in, it's more than likely mostly bluegrass. So that's what I would stick with with your grass seed, something like Colorado's own mix. Uh, there are several of them out there, and I'm assuming this is mostly sun. Uh, yeah, mostly, right. Yeah, okay. Yes, I would stick with the bluegrass mix. Uh, try to choose something that has more than one variety of bluegrass in it. Oh, okay. Okay? Uh, and then, you, you know, when you overseed, uh, are, you, are you overseeding bare spots, or are you just trying to thicken up an existing lawn? Yeah, over the existing. Okay, yeah, about two pounds per thousand square feet is all you need. Okay. If you've got bare spots, I'd put it down a little bit heavier, but not much. Uh, more is not better on grass seed, okay. and and just rake it in a little bit, but right. don't 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 cover the seed with topsoil or peat moss or compost or anything like that. The seed needs to be at the surface. Okay. Very good. Okay, we'll give that a try. Okay. Well, good luck with that. You're doing it at a good time of year. Sounds good. Thanks, Keith. You bet. Take care. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to remind everybody out there that you are listening to The Garden Wise Show. Uh, yeah, The Garden Wise Show. <laughs> My name is Keith Funk. I'm one of the Garden Wise guys. And Jim Borland will be back with me next weekend. Uh, looking forward to your phone calls today. 303-477-2473. 477-2473. And you are listening to 810 The Legend. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought-resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. At DeWitt Company, we have fabrics for every reason and products for every season. When frost, freezing temperatures, and cold nights threaten your veggies and flowers, DeWitt's Insulate Fabric Blanket provides a safe environment for your tender plants during unpredictable cold snaps this spring. DeWitt Insulate is a medium-weight, permeable, UV-treated fabric designed to protect flowering annuals, bedding plants, and vegetables from cold and freezing temperatures. This fabric installs easily and is reusable. Insulate lets you get out there and plant earlier, giving you a jump start on our short growing season. 
Don't take a chance when frosty weather threatens. Protect your time, hard work, and money with DeWitt Insulate Fabric as a low-cost insulation against the elements. DeWitt Landscaping Products and Plant Fabrics are the number one choice of professionals in the lawn and garden industry. DeWitt's high-performance quality products save time and are environmentally safe for the responsible homeowner. One company, one call. Over 600 products. Go to www.dewittcompany.com for more information. You'll find DeWitt Insulate at your favorite independent garden centers, including Lafayette Forest and Greenhouse, Nick's Garden Center, Tagawa Gardens, and Jared's Nursery. Time for Ask the Bonide Guy with answers to what's bugging you. Let's go to Dave on line one. Oh, hey, so I'm really big into next-generation technology. Uh-huh. I've got a next-gen TV. I've got a next-gen lawnmower. Cool. Yeah, so now I've got next-gen weeds popping up in my garden. Uh, what do you recommend? Hmm, how about something next-gen? Oh, really? I'm all ears. Bonide Cleanup HE is the next-gen way to kill unwanted weeds, grasses, and brush in hours with just one application. Whoa, okay. So what's with the HE? Oh, it's a new high-efficiency formula, kind of like... Like the laundry detergent? With Cleanup HE, one gallon treats up to a 1,000 square feet. That's like three times more than what you're using now. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, yeah, and Cleanup is great for outdoor patios, walkways, driveways, and round flower beds and gardens. Just spray and watch those weeds disappear. Now that's smart technology. Thanks, Bonide guy. Get next-gen weed control with new Cleanup HE from Bonide. Trusted since 1926. Visit your local hardware store or garden center today or learn more online at Bonide.com. Hey, we are back to the GardenWise show here on 810 The Legend. And we're doing this show now every Saturday morning from 7 to 9. Two hours. Back to our original two-hour format. So uh, I look forward to all of your phone calls over the next, well, year-round, to tell you the truth. Because that's what we're going to be on, year-round. All right. We've got uh, full lines right now, and I'm going to get right back out there. I think the next person we're going to talk to, who's next up, Sean? Larry? Okay. Yeah, good morning, Larry. Thanks for calling the Ask the Garden Wise show, right, guys, morning, people. <laughs> Them, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Several questions. Most do I have time for? Um, I just had my lawn plugged. It's an old established lawn. Front yard faces mm-hmm. south, so full sun all day long. Um, and I've got, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to fertilize and fight weeds at the same time and i'm wondering how i can best do that at this point i've been using or i've got uh, weed free zone spray Mm -hmm. to use um, on some of the dandelions that's rife with dandelions out there so what do you think well i think uh what i'd look at doing is putting down a fertilizer with a pre-emergent in it so that you can stop the future weeds from coming up you know, stop the seeds from germinating and then use the weed fr- even dandelions yes oh okay but it only stops the seed from coming up but that's you know what what came up that's what you where you have where all the your existing dandelions originated was from seed uh-huh. so uh you just want to stop more from coming up and then use the weed free zone on the existing weeds to control them okay so fertilize with a pre-emergence as well. Right. And uh, there's a really good one out there that Fertilone makes called All Seasons. Okay. 
And I like that one because it, it some some weed preventers are good for preventing grassy weeds, and some weed preventers are good for preventing broadleaf weeds. But All Seasons combines the two, so it covers the entire spectrum. Okay. Um, Tagalas, Nicks, would have that? Exactly. Okay. Um, all right, I had hoped to be able to seed also which i won't be able to do no no you won't be able to do so you have to you have a choice to make do you want to seed uh and put in new grass or do you want to use the pre-emergent to prevent possible new weeds and that's just going to be a a judgment call on your part uh you know if if weeds are a really serious problem for you i'd probably go with the pre-emergent get them under control and then late maybe this fall do the overseeding but if the weeds are just kind of a mediocre, a small problem, that sort of thing, I I uh, bypass the whole pre-emergent thing and just spot treat with the with the weed-free zone. Okay, yeah, I'll probably go with the uh, pre-emergent at this point. Okay. Okay, um, and it's too too early to put out squash, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh huh. When should that be done? When the soil is warm, and that's going to be closer to probably the Memorial Day weekend. It, it all depends on how May shakes out. Okay. But they, squash, corn, beans, all those guys, they like a warm soil. Okay. All right. I know you said a little earlier, <clears throat> a little too late to plant indoors. Well, not everything. It's not too late for for some things, uh, but for for broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, that sort of thing that needs to be planted out during the cool part of the year, uh, it's a little bit too late to start from seed at this point. Okay, and it's uh, oh, it's too it's not the time to plant that outside then. Yeah, if you can find the plants, uh, most garden centers have a full. Uh, full display of cool season vegetable crops. Those can go outdoors now. They'll tolerate. I had my broccoli took it down to 16 degrees and is just fine. Hmm. Okay, but not seeds directly sown outside. No, it's too late for that. But you can still sow things like lettuce and radishes and spinach and peas. Um, a lot of those cool kohlrabi is another one. You can still sow those. Uh, even carrots and beets and turnips. Okay. All right. So go buy some seedlings at Tagawa or maybe next and just do them. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> One other thing. Um, I talked to you some time ago about a couple of avocado seeds I started inside in water. Yes, sir. Um it was about uh, early March, I think, when I planted them. <coughs> Excuse me. And they've got about a half-inch root on them, but nothing coming up above. And one of them has some oh, coloration on it, mold, I'm thinking. Uh, I try transplanting those directly into dirt at this point and hope for anything. I think it's still a little bit early. Oh, okay. I'd, I'd wait until you start to see some green above. Okay. And then transplant it, regardless of how long or short the root is. I'd wait for the green to show up above. Okay. 
All right. Well, that's all I had today. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your call today. By the way, you're doing good going solo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. So next up, it looks like, is Melody. All right. We've got Melody waiting to talk to me about stump removal, it looks like. Good morning, Melody. Good morning. So good to hear you back on the um, stations. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're listening. Terrific. Yes. Um, I had uh, someone come and cut down my um, crab apple tree. It was huge, and it was dying from the inside out. But they didn't have the equipment to um, remove the stump. And I remember that you always spoke highly of a um, father and son or a father and daughter operation. Stump removal. It's called stump removal and daughter. Okay. And it's Mordecai is his first name. Levinson is his last name. Uh-huh. Phone number is 303. Yes. 246-6891. Okay. And my second question is that because this was like a, I don't know, 35-year-old crab tree? Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, lived and died. Um, I'm uh, what I'm thinking of putting in its place is a fir tree. Okay. Would there be any problem? No, there won't be any compatibility problems. No. Okay. Then I was thinking of getting, and I don't know what the name of them is. The one, the fir tree that has the little pine cones, the smaller ones. The little pine cones. They're not the great, big, growing massive, but I've seen them. Hmm. Do you want a dwarf tree, or do you want a full-size tree? Well, if I had a dwarf tree, how large would that be circumference-wise as well as height? Mm, it depends on which variety you choose. I mean, most of them are going to be in the, you know, eventually they'll get in the 10 to 15 feet tall and 6 or 8 feet wide. Uh, as opposed to the mature, just regular fir tree, which can be, you know, 50, 60 foot tall tree. Not in my lifetime anytime, you know, but right. that eventually what it has the potential to become. Actually, I think it's the dwarf I'm looking at because of the size of this corner in my backyard and it faces to the west. Mm-hmm. So would that also be the best thing to have where it would get direct sunlight but it's all going to be to the west well yeah fir trees would be fine in full sun uh, just keep in mind that firs are not a dry land plant they're going to need regular watering throughout the year not just uh, the growing season but during the winter as well and there are some really nice dwarf varieties of white fir or con color fir is it what they're called okay and that's one of our native plants. Okay. Because on the opposite side of the, my yard, on the, um, what you call it, east, um, south, I have a um, long needle pine. Mm-hmm. And she's just doing fine. Good. Okay. So I thought I'd have them on opposite sides. There you go. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much, and it's good to have you guys back. Oh, well, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for listening. 
You betcha. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. I guess we have another caller waiting, and that would be Janice out in Denver. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Hey there. Thank you for calling the, the GardenWise show. Thank you for being here. You bet. Um, I have a question. I have two questions. Um, last year, we put in a hydrangea um, tough stuff red. Okay. And I don't know what to expect. I've never grown hydrangeas before, and I don't know whether it's alive or dead. What should, <laughs> I, what should it be doing right now? Let's see here. Tough Stuff Red is going to be a macrophylla type, which means it's a plant that likes mostly shade. It can take some morning sun, but for the rest of the time of the day, it needs to be in the shade. And they set their flower buds in the fall. T- uh, let's see. Tough Stuff, I'm thinking, might be a rebloomer, so it may bloom on new wood as well. But this time of year, they may not even be showing any signs of life yet. Well, what should, I didn't do anything to it last fall. Okay. What should I do with all the uh, stems that are there, you know, leafless stems? Nothing. Leave them alone. I don't cut them back? No. I don't prune them? Not yet. Wait until the new growth starts. So so by by about the middle of May, you'll know where the, the living wood is and where the dead wood is. And so once that happens, then you can take your, your pruner out there and cut the dead wood off back to the living stuff, back to where it's leafing out. And hopefully there won't be any dead stuff, which would be awesome. Okay, because my inclination was to go out and trim it down to the ground. No, because you'll be trimming off flowers. Oh, okay. Potential flowers, at least. But you can do the fingernail test. You know, just take your fingernail and scratch the side of the bark and, and see if it's still green. And if it's brown underneath, you know that part's dead. And you just scratch farther and farther down the stem until you find green. But the easiest way is just to let the thing leaf out and then cut off everything that's dead. Oh, okay. All right. And then I started tomato plants from seed. Mm-hmm. And they're about three to four inches tall, and they're all in their own individual peat pots right now. Okay. Um, and I've been fertilizing them with a solution of miracle Grow when I water them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it every time I water them. But I was wondering what my ratio of miracle Grow granules to water should be. It should be one quarter strength, the recommended label directions. Well, that was, it's really confusing because it said like, it's like a half a teaspoon to a gallon. Okay, and, that, and that's the, the full strength recommendation? No, that was for indoor plants. Okay. And does it have any other, any other dilution rates on the label? Well, let me go look. Because I'm, I'm thinking it's more like a tablespoon or a teaspoon per gallon is the normal dilution rate with miracle Grow. I don't use that product, but I, I'm familiar with it. Well, what would you suggest I, I fertilize these with as they're waiting to go into their permanent home? Well, it's just, the miracle Grow is just fine. Okay. You don't need to go get anything else. Yeah, it's just I don't remember what the dilution rate is on that. But whatever it is, I would look for something like... Um, you know, annuals or bedding plants or something like that. Um, I, I suppose you could go with the indoor plant one. Well, it says with a watering can for indoor plants, mix a half a teaspoon um, with a gallon of water. 
And how often do you do that? Every two weeks. Every two weeks. So yeah, I would. You're probably watering about once a week, or, or maybe even more frequently than that with your young plants. So go with a quarter teaspoon. A quarter teaspoon in a gallon. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't take much. Okay. And the rest is just wasted if you put too much on, or you can actually cause some damage. So a quarter teaspoon in a gallon. I was watering them every day with that. Are they, are they, that's, that's a lot. You might want okay. to go with, in the next couple of waterings, no fertilizer at all. Okay. Just to leach them out so that there's no buildup of soluble salts in the soil. But, okay. you know, on, especially on tomatoes, it's a good idea to let them get a little on the dry side, almost wilty dry between waterings. That reminds me, last week you were talking about some plants that were outdoor gardening plants that were edible plants that said, if they wilt, their history. And I didn't hear what you said it was. Oh, it's the coal crops. Cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. Oh, okay. If, if, they're, if they're regularly allowed to get wilty dry, I mean, like flat down to the ground, wilty dry, that's, that's usually a, not a good thing to have. Okay. Well, my tomato plants are still wet from yesterday's watering, so I guess I shouldn't water them today. Correct. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm watering them too much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate your call today, Janice. All right. Thank you. You have a great week. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up another show, another episode of the Garden Wise show right here on 810 The Legend. We'll be back again next week from 7 to 9, as we will do for week after week after week, taking your phone calls and your garden questions. So write them down, have them ready for next week, get in early so you can get your questions answered. And remember, you're listening to us now on 810 The Legend. The preceding program is sponsored by JK Communications.